As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And however you are and whenever you are, this is Alan B. Smith, the host of Paranormal Now on the Inception Radio Network, and I hope that you will join us to traverse the cosmic highway of paranormal pit stops and tantalizing turnoffs. My guest tonight is Dr. Robert Davis, author of Life After Death, an analysis of the evidence and the UFO phenomena, should I believe. Um, if you're just finding us now, you can please just go to Facebook, like us there, Paranormal Now, at Paranormal Now Radio, or on Instagram, at Paranormal Now, and also we are on Twitter. Um, so my guest tonight, uh, Dr. Robert Davis, and I have a slightly interesting story. We had already recorded this podcast episode, um, however, we had technical difficulties. Um, so Bob was gracious enough to come back on and re-record the first hour. And we will do our best to keep that in line into the second hour from our previous recording, which actually might make this podcast all the more interesting <laughs> because of that aspect. Um, so, a little bit about Robert Davis, Ph.D. He is an internationally recognized scientist of sensory neuroscience and has served uh, as a professor at the State University of New York for over 30 years. He has published over 60 articles in scholarly journals and lectured at national and international conferences. He has written two books, The UFO Phenomena, Should I Believe, and Life After Death, An Analysis of the Evidence. His recent book, on life after death addresses everything from near death and out of body accounts, experimental evidence, parapsychological explanations, um, and theories that tap into quantum physics, the multi universe, the consciousness, brain connection. Uh, all of this and more is part of the scientific journey and enigmatic landscape that he probes in comprehensive depth and detail. Um, very cool fact Dr. Davis serves as a member of the board of directors uh, and research team of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell. Foundation for Research into Extra Extraordinary Experiences, um, otherwise known as FREE, which was established to provide a scientific exploration to bridge the gap between science, consciousness, and psycho-spiritual experiences. Dr. Davis has appeared on over 50 radio shows and podcasts, make that 51, and has presented lectures at several national and international conferences discussing his research in sensory neuroscience and his two books. He has also co-authored a recent study on consciousness and extraordinary experiences, which will be published on uh, in the Journal of Scientific Exploration in 2018. Dr. Robert Davis, welcome back to the show. Well, it's a pleasure to be here again, Alan. Thanks. Yeah, no, I absolutely appreciate your being here and uh, re-recording for this for this hour. Um, the 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 article that you published in the Journal of Scientific Exploration that that's not quite out yet, is it? 
No, it's, uh, it's been officially accepted for publication, and it right. should be out sometime this year. And uh, it represents uh, the, the outcomes of the results that, that Free did on over 3,200 individuals mm -hmm. who reported to have interactions with UFOs and, believe it or not, non-human intelligent entities. Okay. Uh, we provided them with over 500 questions. We analyzed it in a survey. Uh, this was not a hypnotic-based recall, and the results, to emphasize the, the, the main findings, of which mm -hmm. there are a diverse range that, that, that interacted with consciousness, psychology, physiological, um, spiritual, and behavioral enhancements of varying types, but 80%, I should say about 70 to 80% of the total population reported that their interactions with non-human entities associated with or without a UFO resulted in positive behavioral transformations. That is what the paper is essentially about. And it covers a wide range of, of issues, which we certainly don't have time to delve into deeply today. But the results emphasize to me that consciousness is a key component of that phenomenon. There's, there is certainly a physical aspect to it, but there's also a non-physical aspect to it. And this is the key with the UFO phenomenon. A little too long, we've been focusing direction on the physical, and we should emphasize a little bit more, at least, for the non-physical. And this, this is what Heineck, Valet, Kiel, uh, and a few others have advocated for way back in the 70s and 60s. Um, and we have not done much. Some has been done, but limited. And we need a multidisciplinary effort to better understand the essence of this phenomenon, as well as others. And that led me to writing my new book, life after death and analysis of the evidence because consciousness obviously is a component of that arena as well sure do you think that perhaps as far as the physical evidence goes that we're, we've missed something that there is something else we could do to investigate at least the physical side of things well uh, we've, we've been attempting to, to see the physical evidence for many decades, ever since mm -hmm. government officials, military organizations took this phenomenon seriously. And then at, at, to present time, there is controversy whether or not Bigelow or whomever has, in fact, some artifact from a UFO. That's a matter of speculation and it is making the, the news within ufology. And they may very well be. But but we can certainly learn, if that is the case, uh, we can certainly learn a great deal about technology and, and <laughs> chemistry, etc. But and back engineer it. But the point is, uh, what is it? What does this phenomenon also have on the psychology of individuals who interact with it? And that's an issue that has been ignored. We have to continue, of course, focusing on the physical. There's no question. But it's limited in nature. We have landing traces, indeed. We can we can obtain indirect evidence of, of the physical aspects of the craft, obviously picked up on radar, observed by multiple witnesses. We can go on and on. Uh, we, we, your listeners are both well aware of that, all the details. The question is, what is the essence of the experience that people are reporting to have when they associate with non-human intelligences? And it's not only associated with UFOs, people who have near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, shamanic journeys, mystical meditation, even taking ayahuasca, uh, often, not always, results in interaction with some other intelligence, whether the deceased relative or spiritual figure, angel with different colored wings, um, friends who, who, who passed away, or 
greys, reptilians, insectoids, as people report, and I'm not saying it's valid. This is the issue. Science has to look at this. What is going on? And we're talking about millions of people throughout centuries, and it's often ignored aspect of psychology and the general scientific community. What is this altered state of consciousness that these individuals are reporting with fierce determination and generally positive, although certainly negative, especially in the initial interactions? Obviously, it's it's remarkably <laughs> frightening, terrifying, understandably. This happened to us overnight, as people report it does to them, either seeing uh, beings from wherever uh, standing at the foot of their bed uh, how, do you, how do you think they're going to feel eating cereal the next day? I mean, the, uh, the world obviously has changed from that day forward. They seek answers. They say, why me? And that pertains to many different types of extraordinary experiences, not unique just to the UFO phenomenon. Um, so we're looking at a broad range of spiritual, mystical, and extraordinary experiences that seem to share similar uh, outcomes in terms of the emotional uh, psycho-spiritual framework of the individual. These philosophical and personal beliefs are shifted in these individuals, mm -hmm. often very strongly in many areas that have to do with a, a greater understanding of themselves, the, the, the world, other people. They understand what love is all about, or a better idea, uh, they become less, ma less materialistic, more uh, spiritual, uh, less interested in organized religion. It goes on and on. And well, there is a, there is a religious yeah. or um, spiritual journey that seems to happen with with some of these uh, experiencers, not unlike mystics of the past. Um, you know, our religious figures that we you know ha hold high in, in esteem. Um, you know, they they either go into the depths and and meet some being and they learn something. They bring that message back. Um, or they have a you know an enlightening experience where wisdom is is just like downloaded into them, um, this contact with a higher something. Um, so you know it, those mystics of the past were they having the same experience that these experiencers now that we recognize um, have a connection to UFOs. Uh, that's an extraordinary question. Uh, that, that, that's the, the, really getting at the heart of the... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Issue in terms of helping to try to understand what is indeed going on now, present time, to mm -hmm. hundreds and very likely many millions of individuals. Um, has this been part of our culture? society, humanity, ever since we crawled out of the primordial soup, so to speak, and evolved into this inventive, 
inquisitive <laughs> of bipedal primate, we have always wondered maybe what I am, am I my body, is there life after death, when we were capable of more abstract thought. But are these individuals having a type of altered state of consciousness throughout time? I think that's, that's what you're getting at. Right. And we can only suspect. But we know that hallucinogenic uh, drugs were part of rituals way back, um, hundreds, thousands of years ago. There's evidence of psychedelic uh, ingredients that these individuals did have uh, uh, what? <laughs> part of their ritual. Um, so people even taking DMT today report seeing non-human intelligences or ayahuasca, as well as altered perceptions of sight, sound, time. Uh, what is going on, indeed, and there may very well be a neurobiological explanation for what is actually going on to these individuals who believe it to be as real as talking to a family member. Uh, whatever it is, whether it is indeed irrefutably valid, one way or the other, meaning it is the brain itself and nothing else, or both these individuals are reporting these types of experiences where they get downloaded information, as you, as you say, from a religious figure. Many scientists, in fact, like Tesla, uh, Newton, uh, on and on, claim that they've received downloaded information, information that sure. gave rise yeah. to their inventions and new theories. And they firmly contest, as well as many other artists, uh, musicians, leading um, scientists, etc., claimed that. It wasn't my thought. It just came into my head and I started writing it down. And they make that distinction. So, yeah, uh, is this comp comparable, analogous to the stories that we're hearing way, ba way back when, as, as you uh, wisely mentioned? Um, it's hard to prove it. It's oh, really yeah. hard to prove it. Yeah. But, you're, but you're right. We need to focus attention just in this area to better understand it and how to treat individuals who experience it. That's, that's important. Right. Well, and it's interesting because you wonder how long, how far back this goes. And, you know, the scientists now are saying that, I just read an article recently, um, saying that Homo erectus, in order to have traversed the, the land masses that they did, that they would have had to build some kind of boat or raft of some sort. To navigate and in order to navigate you have to have at least rudimentary uh, a symbol based language and that would put you know the origins of language back like 2.5 million which pushes it way back because I think up until recently they're saying 200,000 years ago um, so it, it does make you wonder if people have been visited the past 5,000 years you know uh, how far back you know, might we have been visited. Um, and I, I guess, like you said, there's, there's really no way to, to trace that, right? Other than, you know, cave paintings or, or uh, you know, artifacts that seem out of place. Well, exactly. Uh, and you have, it's a historic literature type of research that has to be applied. And some of it is done, but in a very cursory fashion. But And plus you're making interpretations of, of language that they use then to depict certain experiences so mm -hmm. oftentimes you have to decipher what it means like people who read the bible i often i attempt it i, I just don't get it you know I, I, it's just way too philosophical for me uh, philosophy and my, my brain don't mix but but uh, uh, aside from that uh, 
getting to your point essentially uh, is is I, what were you addressing again? I forget. <laughs> well, the, the, if people are having these mystical experiences yeah. now, we were having them ten thousand years ago. You know, how far back would this have gone? And I suspect yeah. it would have only been allowed as long as we could communicate and we had a language to interpret and share this. And now we're saying that this could have gone back, you know, two million years. Yeah, in, indeed. Uh, it, 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 indeed. In fact, people are, are claiming that they are uh, being told by these beings that the purpose is to evolve the consciousness of our species. This is a fairly consistent point of view. I don't know if this is a learned behavior in these people, um, thinking that that might be a, a pleasant thing, a, an ideal thing, if, if to give this phenomenon some meaning and personal um, uh, impact in an emotional, secure, securing type of way. We can only mm -hmm. speculate, but th this is what they say. And they, among many other messages that are very similar in nature. And are they guiding us uh, and, and helping us evolve in that respect? Um, like here again, 80, 90% of the subject population make these kinds of claims. And they talk about spirituality, they talk about consciousness, they talk about the interconnectedness with the universe. Right. They talk about how they shifted their focus of their interpretation of reality, cherishing it more, and in fact becoming more humane. So if you want to say that, that if there is an objective to this type of interaction with non-human intelligent beings of, of varying kinds, it may very well be to uh, evolve us spiritually, psychosocially, etc. Make us a, a more sane, uh, we could use more of that then. <laughs> people on this planet, yeah, and maybe over time. That that was their role um, mm. to help it that it, 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 it slowly apparently um, to not overwhelm us but take us on a path maybe and we still have I suspect a long road to 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 take as well until we evolve spiritually that, that is vastly different than now because you watch the news and I don't have to explain it to you this is you know, there's a lot of beauty on this planet we can. But there's so much, so much wrong. Yeah. Um, we can't get into that, of course, but we all know that. And that's not right. Uh, <laughs> there's a long way to go. Um, and we're just at the very beginning, I think, of the trail. Right. Well, actually, I mean, the work you've done with Free, I think, uh, elucidates some of that. Um, because the people are coming back with these, these experiences and... Um, stories or narratives rather of of what they think is actually happening so you know you've done an enormous amount of um i guess surveying um to, to yes. yeah to find parallels and or um you know i guess cross um hatching of stories um and overlapping if you will and is there a theme that you guys have come across in this um Many, the work you've done, yeah. Many. It's primarily a statistical analysis. We're also analyzing qualitatively the, the verbal responses that these okay. individuals, a large number of them, gave yeah. to over 70 open-ended questions. And that was an enormous task in and of itself. But that will be another article to be published. We have, we're in the process of developing that. We're also going to uh, publish a book um, 
this uh, the, the science of contact modalities and consciousness um, that's going to come out. Everybody should go to experiences.org to look at the website and the information about the book is there, the title and contents and where we're going with it. That's going to be again mid-year will be out. But common themes indeed, the vast majority of individuals uh, are saying again overall that they are in, interacting with uh, non-human intelligences only about 25% say they're actually interacting or had experience on board a physical craft where a small percentage claim to have been subjected to uh, medical procedures, uh, sexually related uh, experiences, I've been given a hybrid child. This is what they say. And again, I'm not saying this is 100% true. It's up to the, your listeners uh, to make their own determination. Uh, and read the, the article in Journal of Scientific Exploration for more, more uh, information by which you can make a, an objective decision. Um, so, the traditional uh, alien abduction phenomenon description has always claimed that everybody is abducted, everybody is subjected to X, Y, and Z procedures, all that. It happens, at least according to our subject population, but to a much, much less uh, uh, frequency. Only about 10 and less report huh. the physical interactions. vast majority say it's non-physical. 75% claim the, the interaction with the being is telepathic. They don't shake hands, how do you do, and, and, and sip some coffee. Sure. But, but they feel that they're brought to another matrix reality. They feel that there is no time and no space here. They feel that unconditional love. They feel a sense of unity, interconnectedness with the universe. They, 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 their, their perceptions are altered. They go anywhere at their will. They come back from this experience after they uh, are amazed at the at the another reality that's not 3D in nature that corresponds with many theories in quantum physics, which is what's interesting because now we can possibly bridge the gap between theories in physics and the subjective experience and my next book is going to address just that as best as I possibly can yeah, using that's the information book. from history as well as current current data we can see can combine as it goes back to your your great question earlier you combine a look at and compare experiences from the past with that of the present the, the, the goblins angels gnomes fairies uh, the past Past day non-human intelligences depicted mm -hmm. in folklore, uh, religious texts, uh, and general books galore, uh, that they may very well be analogous to our greys, and that's not a unique opinion on my part. People have considered this certainly, but it's something to be considered, I think, a little bit more serious. Uh, I'm not a historian. I can't go there. I want to look prospectively, try to look at... Um, the next type of paradigm is to establish to better understand the essence of the experience that the individual is reporting when they're having this overwhelming unique interaction initially of course it is negative uh, about 40 percent say it's negative over time and and most people about two-thirds well up to three-quarters say that their their interactions are very frequent uh, and that about that percentage interact with them more than 20 times this is often not a one-time event. Uh, it's very common, runs in families. That is true. Uh, so but, over, over um, time, you said 40% end up saying it's a negative experience. 
overtime. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, let me stand corrected. Thank you for mentioning that. Uh, no, just the, the first few initial encounters, one mm -hmm. to three, we segmented in. Uh, about 41% said it, it, it could be regarded as negative. However, yeah, when you get to eight to 10 times, when you get to over 20 times, it okay. becomes progressively more positive. Thank you for allowing me. So it's more about the space. shock of the experience um, rather than the context of the experience. Indeed, which is understandable, of course. They integrate it, they adapt over time they, because yeah. they're eventually they realize that that is very beneficial in many ways. In fact, about 1,200 individuals respond to this to this question in our survey. If you could have your contact experience with the non-human intelligence being to end, would you? Yes or no, or unsure. 84% hmm. agreed that they want their contact experience to continue. Wow. That says a lot right there. You know, if we, we're talking 10 subjects, 20, 30, it, it's, it's hard to draw a firm conclusion. We're well, on the survey so far, how many? 1,200 individuals. 1,200, well, okay. the, Responding to this question is about mm -hmm. approximately 1,200. Total population was 3,250. Gotcha. Uh, we, and right now we have over 4,000 individuals. And, and we're doing surveys also in Latin America, Germany, um, it's in other countries. Uh, well, and free Slovakia. survey is is the largest thus far, right? Single oh, by, survey. Oh, by far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the only one that's closest, and it's not a it's not a competing match. We got to get independent researchers from different fields looking at this to mm -hmm. validate our findings. We we have to try to follow as best as possible a scientific method. Um, so psychologists, biologists, sociologists focus, I think, if you possibly can, on this extraordinary phenomenon, which is having a uniquely powerful impact on those who experience it. But it's comparable also to those who have near-death and out-of-body experiences I alluded to earlier, and I may address this in greater detail in the second half of our show, I can't, I can't recall, but I think it's okay to be redundant here, but because we're looking at even diversely dissimilar types of experiences giving rise to similar generally very positive behavioral outcomes that are philosophical, psycho-spiritual, consciousness related, etc. Beautiful. And the obvious simple question which is difficult to answer is why? And right now neuroscientists, uh, physicists are looking at brain activity to determine whether or not there is something uniquely happening within the brain in terms of neurotransmitter activity, activation of certain regions that and to figure out if this is a brain-based event. When a person says, I see myself uh, lying in, in bed, but I know I'm, I'm, I'm watching from above, this veridical type perception, as it's called, it, well, what is that? Is that is that a vestibular problem? Is that a, a, a problem to the central nervous system somewhere, giving rise to that? Or are they hanging out on the ceiling watching, uh, watching from above? And... Um, Uniquely similar aspects of it don't rule in or rule out a brain-based event, but the, but is mostly curious uh, and largely dismissed, regarded as a pseudoscience, of course, by mainstream science. And I understand why. That there's been a lack of lack of frequent, sufficient, comprehensive, multidisciplinary type of research in, in this area, 
And all I'm saying is we need to focus more attention. In fact, recently, a new discipline called neurotheology has emerged. And I encourage your, your, your audience to you know, look it up uh, and to see where they're going. They're trying to do brain imaging studies, uh, contrast between meditators and non-meditators, shamans, non-shamans, psychedelic drugs, etc to see whether or not there are similarities and differences to determine if it is a brain-based event. But they also throw in theology, which is kind of nice, a little spiritual aspect too, and focus a little bit more on consciousness of whatever that is, and we don't know what that is. That's well, let's hold, it, let's hold it right there at uh, consciousness. That's an interesting thought. Um, this is Alan B. Smith for Paranormal Now on the Inception Radio Network. My guest is Dr. Robert Davis, author of The UFO Phenomena and Life After Death. Hang in there, and we shall be right back. My guest is Dr. Robert Davis, author of The UFO Phenomena and member of Free. Um, so, uh, Dr. Davis, we're talking about... Um, well, consciousness was the last thing we had, had spoke of, but we were talking about many things. Um, so... You know, when people are having these encounter experiences, there could be a number of scientific explanations, mundane, if you will, um, to explain what's happening inside their consciousness and their mind. That said, if it's not, if it's something from an otherworldly experience, what is happening? How, how are they having this experience? what we can only imagine uh, and and I, I can't help but do so as millions of others uh, what what is indeed going on because while people claim that they physically feel being taken on board a, a craft a physical craft uh, many claim in fact that they're able to even navigate it uh, using their will uh, the similarity again of how they control and operate the craft is re remarkable and, and to some extent how it how it even looks so again the physical aspect is interesting they do believe they're interacting with the physical reality however as i mentioned just earlier and as it relates to consciousness uh three quarters say that it's non-physical yeah so what are they experiencing what does that mean uh, it's an aspect of, of what consciousness, psychology. Uh, is it an aspect of dissociative behavior, a schizotypal type of disorder? In many cases, I'm sure it is. But but the frequency of it from what appears to be very well balanced individuals, and we have to do more screening of that as well. We tried to screen, but we can't do it successfully. We you know, 3,200 individuals can't we can't administer standardized psychological test battery with. 50 bucks per person we just don't simply don't have that money yeah. and that's the problem we don't have sufficient funding in this area granting agencies are reluctant of course to contribute money in what sure. they consider to be a pseudoscience and and fear of ridicule obviously as researchers and organizations in general are are uh, experiencing and and that's what the, that's the game they play well have so, you guys have you done crowdfunding at all to raise money yeah we haven't but we've we considered it uh mm -hmm. and that is a good idea uh, to, to, but we're hoping maybe we'll get some money from the book that we sell. We're doing, in the process of doing a documentary with uh, Kevin Lane, who did many of the Star Trek uh, features, documentaries. One one was uh, something with Spock and Captain Kirk. He did several in, with them uh, on, on, on the documentary. Well known, uh, and he's doing a documentary with us. 
that might take another year, probably less. But the point is, yeah, consciousness, indeed, uh, non-physical, what does that mean? In fact, of the 75% that say it's non-physical, the vast majority of that group say they're having an out-of-body experience. It seems, therefore, that there are two ways that people are interacting with the phenomenon, physically Mm -hmm. and through an out-of-body experience, where they feel that they're brought to a matrix, they can uh, have an expanded consciousness that's non-physical in nature, that they know they're not their body, they're outside their body, as they describe it, in a a non-3D environment. We ask these questions and we screen the individuals that claim to be in this other world, not not reality as you know it. We try to describe it as best as we can, and, and they, uh, again, large percent who say they're in this matrix reality, consider it like an out-of-body experience. It's comparable what they describe to individuals who are not interacting with the phenomenon who report out-of-body experiences, as many people do, which often is associated with a form of sleep paralysis, either, or, but sometimes not. And, and again, it parallels the NDE, near-death experience, of which, of course, an out-of-body experience appears to be a part. But it seems and they can abduct, in other words, not only the body, but maybe an aspect of consciousness. Maybe they can abduct you, and they can somehow uh, achieve that. Uh, uh, and that experience alone. It's real in their minds, so that experience alone, whether or not it's real, real, if you know what I mean, has, it's like their their spiritual eyes have opened. It's a trigger for change. Uh, And there are many triggers, NDEs, shamanic journeys, maybe mystical meditation and DMT, maybe others. Psilocybin, LSD. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Under proper guidance, I'm not advocating for it at all, by no Mm -hmm. means, please. But, but. People are reporting this. In fact, an interesting study done by Dr. Richard Straussman from the University of New Mexico over a decade ago, he administered dimethyltryptamine, the active ingredient in ayahuasca, to approximately 20, 30 college students. Well, the vast majority of them had types of experiences that were exactly the same mm-hmm. as the subjects who Dr. John Mack studied uh, on those who claimed to have alien abductions. John Mack was a noted psychiatrist, for those in the audience who may not know him, and I'm sure most do. Uh, he, he's a, a Harvard psychiatrist, well, well known, Pulitzer Prize winner, a highly respected, who started studying alien abduction phenomenon, firmly believed that people indeed considered it real, and he thought too it was real. Not, not 100%, but he, he could not explain it, and he, ha- and he had to... It wasn't simply position. a fantasy in their mind. Yeah, exactly. He ruled out psychopathology because he was a psychiatrist indeed. Uh, So he regarded them as the best possible of individuals or at least representative of the general population. And we can't we can't dismiss it as a form of a schizotypal dissociative type of behavior. So there's something to it. And he never saw this before in his clinical practice because he never asked, obviously. But when he started to ask he found people, over 300 alleged individuals who report to have these experiences, and he said they're not confabulating, they're, 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 they're very balanced, there's no evidence of any form of psychological disorder, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, we don't have enough John Max. We don't have enough organizations like Three, and there are few. There are a few researchers in the past who look at this phenomenon, but write it off to more sleep paralysis, dissociative behavior. 
um, among other things, then the possibility of actual interaction with another intelligence from wherever, wherever, another planet, another dimension, who knows? But it's not earthly. That's well, the key, it, yeah. of course. It, it kind of marries two questions. Um, one that I had earlier, and, and now I have a new one. Um, the, the first was, you know, how do they connect? I mean, as a scientist, do you have any speculative ideas of how they mentally connect with us? And then two, uh, based on what John Mack, um, his, his experience, your, um, uh, your surveying and, and your uh, analysis, and then you look at Rick Strassman, and, and there have been new studies on psilocybin as well. But, you know, if there are the, these parallels, could it be that there's like just a spontaneous release of DMT um, in the brain that causes these um, experiencer experiences? It's a question that I ask. Uh, it's, it's, we have no firm evidence that DMT is generated in the pineal gland. Ah. We know DMT is generated in the rat brain, however, so there is great suspicion. That okay, see now, li literature that I've read online would, would make one believe that that's a fact, but you're saying it's not. I know, I know. you got to be very careful. There's tons of websites out there, melatonin right. research, something like that. Uh, there, there's a lot of claims to that effect. Yeah. Uh, it, and there are some studies that show this smallest uh, a concentration of DMT in, in the body but they don't but it's been refuted so there's some controversy uh, but so be careful what you read but yes I suspect that that is a possibility maybe people have a disorder of the gland for instance if indeed is generated there that mm -hmm. get, or some other kind of chemical in the brain somewhere else that may certainly give rise to these kinds of experiences you cannot rule that out completely I, I firmly agree um, so we're now starting to just study that aspect. So it, yeah. it, it, there are numerous theories that are neurophysiologic, psychological, of course, or the interaction is indeed uh, as valid as interaction can be, not only real in their minds, but real in 3D reality as well as possibly 4D reality. Why are these people saying there, there is no time, no space now, and eternity are the same? Um, a thousand years is one second. Why these dis distortions of time and space? Why do they say, I can see 360, the, I, the, the universe looks like a holographic image? Um, well, that could all be a brain-based event indeed, but, but many people claim to have medical healings, and it's, there's going to be chapters in our book uh, that address such claims. Uh, uh, this has been claimed before, but the medical community needs to focus its attention on it. Maybe it's if they're healed, maybe it's because they believe they were healed, and that alone, the power of belief, we know, is, is stronger than we suspect. Uh, maybe that alone acts like a placebo type of effect and actually does have an improvement in some condition. Uh, people also report information received, as we alluded to earlier, that, that goes beyond their intellectual capabilities. Uh, many people report physics downloads, and then when they write down what they're receiving, so to speak, uh, they give it to a physicist, and he says, well, this makes some sense, but I can't understand it all. Right? There are specific cases like this, among others, but the point is, this person doesn't know science. Right. Uh, and exactly. that's what's what's remarkable. So why are people doing this? Uh, what What's going on here? We don't have, again, ha there's no way to control for it because these things happen spontaneously. 
Uh, it can happen to anyone overnight. Either either your brain does something uh, screwy, causing that kind of perceptual um, change in, to to yourself and to your environment, or in fact, it's true. So right now we're speculating, and, and, and the main thing that we're asking or saying is that here's the foundation of the data. These are what individuals, thousands of them, are saying. Why? Do the study, modify it, improve the paradigm, control it better. You know, this is not a perfect study by no means, so be, please be careful interpreting everybody. But it's good enough to, to warrant publication in the Journal of Scientific Exploration, which means something. Um, it, it doesn't mean it doesn't have flaws, but there's enough strengths there, given the sheer number of individuals, to say that, the, that there is some type of altered state of consciousness that, that's occurring here in a mass of individuals that's largely similar, and it's similar to other diverse ranges of spiritual, mystical, and extraordinary experiences. So let's delve yeah. deeper into this. We have to. This is a whole new field, as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's largely ignored. Right, well, largely I think... Ignored. Yeah, especially based on all the things that you've said and over the decades, um, more research has gone into it. Compare that to the earlier days of the 50s and 60s, Project Blue Book, Project Sign, um, you know, Hynek. They were strictly focused on going to a site where there's a sighting, looking for physical evidence and trace evidence, and building a case around that. Um, now, what you're doing it's it's far more complicated because if there is there these parallel experiences between like you said like uh you know psychotropes or um uh you know um spontaneous um i don't i don't know you know what the word is um you know mystical experiences when you're lying in your bed um and then people who say that they've been abducted in a physical craft how how do you how do you make it a convincing argument that there's a real phenomenon going on here when it's sort of like parceled into these different um, strains of study? So I guess my follow-up question to that would be, is there a way to look at the cases so far and say, okay, these people have seen a craft in their backyard or saw a craft before they had an experience. Did they have a different type of experience than someone who was just lying in bed? and had an experience of beings entering their their mind or like you said earlier um you know entering into the matrix is there a way to create a sort of you know distinguishing categories for these uh, excellent insightful question if i may say alan i'm not i'm not saying that um out of kindness i'm, I'm being honest with you that 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 is critical to note the the environment the state of mind, mm -hmm. the level of consciousness that individuals have, uh, compare that, that's a dependent variable, in other words, yes, and see if that results in changes that's related to their experience. It, it, uh, that, in, in fact, is something that we're going to be pursuing to better understand the interaction mm -hmm. of other variables like that. We didn't focus on that. Now that we have a lot of answers to questions, now we can better fine-tune certain aspects of the study. Now we know what's important or what we think is what's less important and delve deeper into it. Right. One, of course, 
it captures the essence of not only the, the person's perspective on, on what is going on in this altered reality with these kinds of beings uh, perceiving things so distortedly, but loving it, benefiting from it. But is, is it the same experience that the person who's lying in their bed has versus, yeah, having a, having a bottle of whiskey in the woods with buddies uh, camping out? As right. many do, <laughs> but it's not whiskey related. You understand, of course. The thing is, yeah, what types of variables seem to facilitate this? And we don't know why some people have these experiences and some don't. However, there is a large percentage of individuals that do, that have had prior family members reporting the same thing. And right. so you, you have to speculate about the genetic aspects of it, or maybe it's a genetic uh, aberration of the brain that's passed down, thus giving rise to these kinds of extraordinary experiences that are real in their minds. But this is maybe the most important point here too. The impact that this has on the individuals is is pronounced. They're in spiritual emergency. This is significant. They're changed dramatically overnight. I mean, it's not like having a parent dying right in front of you and, and when you're eight years old. But, mm-hmm. but. It's, it's significant enough to result in such a, a dramatic, intense emotion. I imagine that this is happening to you, as we described, of course. Yeah. But we don't fully understand the, the magnitude of that impact. We are, we are now in our study. The first few encounters and throughout, it's, it's an evolving process, negative generally becoming much more positive with increase in frequency of interaction as we mentioned. But there's also a progressive shift in their positive changes in personal and philosophical values and beliefs that often causes problems with their family. Not only do they withhold it for fear of ridicule, but if they do share it, and many do, uh, they're perceived as unbalanced. And if they do go, of course, for counseling, psychologists, psychiatrists, they're going to oftentimes be misdiagnosed as having a psychological aberration. So they don't go. Many who do are given medication, varying varying uh, aspects of their, what the doctor considers their personality disorder when they start talking about this type of information. Uh, many would be regarded as hallucinatory, schizotypal. Of course, of course. Uh, they can't rule it out, and it may be the case in many, but the point is, 70, 80 percent of 3,200 people. Do they all really need? Uh, uh, do they all really need med- medication when they're saying that the general outcome of their experience is largely positive? What are you giving me medication for? I never felt better. I, I, my socks were blown off in the first few times when I saw it grazed by my bed, and I felt uh, 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 I was leaving my body and expanded consciousness. I went through physical objects. I felt like I could be at two different places simultaneously at the same time. Yeah, yeah, they could change the. They felt felt like in this environment they could change uh, future events. And what's and what's interesting too is that what they describe to experience, and the types of behaviors they feel that they perform here again are comparable to that of subatomic particles. This is seen. In the, in the wild, mysterious world of quantum physics, the science of quantum particles, subatomic particles like photons, the electrons, etc. And we don't have time to go into great detail with a little you know, scientific essay of, of experiments which, which show that these 
these beha the behavior of these particles are ichnomatic, and Einstein called it spooky action at a distance. He couldn't explain the bizarre aspects of it, but but these individuals also have bizarre aspects of, of what they are reporting. Why? You know something? They're related. My my gut, it's it. They're related, and that says a lot. I mean, we we are all made of the same stuff in the universe. So subatomic particles, we're made up up of it. Why can't we manifest maybe some of the behavior of subatomic particles? These individuals have these kind of experiences, are saying just mm -hmm. this, and we can bridge the gap between elementary particles. And you you alluded to to this earlier. Uh, in, in, in your question. Uh, is there, can science explain what what is going on when a person reports that they're out of the body interacting? Well, we can only, of course, speculate, but but today's current understanding of, of the brain, to some extent, and more is un, un, misunderstood than, than known about the brain, of course, is that there are quantum processes occurring within brain neurons, and very likely DNA itself. For a variety of reasons, and and that's not that's not spooky stuff in a sense. That you know, we see this in nature, quantum processes occurring in leaves. Uh, the photosynthesis itself is like a quantum process. So there are quantum processes in, in, in the brain, but there's some preliminary evidence that's, that's emerging now, and more neuroscientists are focusing on this to show that biophotons, or there is a type of subtle weak energy emission uh, generated by the brain, that might indeed radiate outward and give rise to what they're calling a torsion wave, a torsion energy that is connected to the brain and want to modify that energy to interact with the environment. Very early stages. Theoretical, but there's some interesting experiments mm -hmm. going on to suggest this is a possibility. Point is this, getting back to your, your, your great question, uh, maybe that is a type of energy if we can get the objective evidence that there is indeed another energy to go along with the nuclear, two nuclear forces, electromagnetism and, and, and gravitational. Now we can have a, a full unified field theory of Einstein, which he said, by the way, he, he got in a dream, <laughs> you know, uh, nevertheless. So yeah. maybe we do have the correlation of objective energy and, and possibly an explanation for what is going on when people say they have an out-of-body experience. Maybe there is indeed continuity of consciousness following bodily death. That's what we're talking about here. Maybe we, we are possibly gaining insight through people's experiences across the diverse range of, of, of topics we're talking about where people are experiencing another reality, triggered in different ways. So um, can we, you know, I just came up with a title of my new book today, which is ironic. And I'm calling it toward, Towards an Integration of Science and the Unexplained. I'm going to plug my future book. I haven't written one word yet. I'm collecting some evidence. But you know, I, I like the title because you're telling people right off the bat. Like, that. this is what this is. Yeah. You know? You're and not being bashful about it. You're not you know, tiptoeing around it. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I was trying to capture in words the essence of the, of the content. And that mm -hmm. also focuses my uh, attention to a general topic area better once I, sure. I, I conceptualize the overarching theme. And I came to that by putting words to it. it, it the words merge with my feeling. 
in terms of where to go, it, it joined. I, I, it can't explain. I, you know, people experience this all the time in different ways. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's, it's kind of cool. I got it's a, it's a nice feeling because I spent weeks, lit, I'd say months, a few months, trying to figure that out. And what's the title? What's the essence of the book? And I can't begin to explain where, what different directions I was going, different names. Let me get off the topic here. If the point is, okay, let's bridge the gap. That so-called scientific psycho-spiritual gap, as, as it's so-called um, throughout time, so to speak. Maybe we can. And yeah, given, given your question, maybe science can explain the essence of consciousness, and maybe it isn't dependent on the brain. That's the ultimate question. Is consciousness the brain? Is it independent or independent? Materialists and non-materialists tell you two different things, and it becomes a philosophical diatribe, uh, and that's been kicked around over time uh, through the eons. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned torsion, torsion physics, um, or the torsion wave. Is that the same thing? Torsion wave. Motion yeah. wave. So, is that could that be the unifying theory to explain everything you're, you're, you're speaking of? Does that does that make physics? Does that give physics an explanation for NDEs, you know, uh, psychic connection, etc.? Well, I think if there's if we're going to use current and near future scientific principles, if torsion wave is indeed verified, and many Russian scientists contend that it is, they, 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 they say they can pick it up, these ultra-weak emissions, it, it, it may very well, we can't say definitely, but may very well explain the NDE, when consciousness, or this energy, in other words, it begins to leave the body, maybe, maybe now we're not limited by our sensory systems, which can only perceive it a, a very narrow range of energy bands in the auditory, visual, etc. spectrum. Uh, we know, of course, other species can perceive physical energy that we can't, that's a, well understood. The point is, is that a different dimension? Uh, are they get, seeing a different reality? But people, when they do report leaving the body, they experience reality without the limitations of the sensory systems. So if torsion energy is a byproduct or uh, a form of energy that was never created, never destroyed, it's only converted. It sees the, the body is dead. What, what the hell am I hanging around here for, so to speak? And maybe that's a, a conscious decision. Maybe maybe it's not at times when we're forced out of the body somehow, but there's no use for this container anymore, as we somewhat understand. Some using a faith-based belief, while others look to science, and most materialists or scientists generally contend, you know, when... When your time's up, the, the hard drive crashes and the screen fades to black, as they say. So that's why I wrote the book, Life After Death, Analysis of the Evidence, because here again, consciousness seems to be, a, seems to be, it would likely be the underlying, overarching, um, variable form of energy. But how do you quantify it? Maybe we can begin to quantify it. Not, maybe not right now, but it seems we're headed in that direction quantify a form of energy that leaves the body and can interact with the environment. That might, this might give uh, also an explanation for ESP, precognition, clairvoyance, uh, many types of uh, psychic-like abilities that we have verified. In my mind, ESP is real. We don't have time to go through the experiments. It's all in my book, but I'm convinced that extrasensory perception, in all its varying ways, is indeed valid, repeatable. 
you know, observation alone can change a, a subatomic particle from a wave to a particle and back from a particle to a wave. We can affect physical system by observation. And this has been demonstrated in numerous ways. So maybe yeah. this energy explains that invisible pathway. That's that's the complex thing about this, um, is the lack of repeatability of so many of these experiences. You can look at the experience afterwards and compare experiences, but you can't, like other science studies, just you know create a control and then create the experience. It's just you can't. So you you are somewhat scientifically speaking at a at a loss as far as a researcher goes but um all right that's it for the uh the first hour this is alan b smith on the inception radio network um my guest is dr robert davis author of life after death and the ufo phenomenon and we'll be right back after this um the cultural significance is it real um what do people think about it and what is free um doing about it um so, Dr. Davis, how did you initially get involved with the organization Free? Well, after I wrote my uh, my book, UFO Phenomenon, should I believe, uh, I appeared on some radio shows, and and uh, the board of directors uh, listened to me. Uh, they apparently liked what they hear, and they asked me to come on board, and and I did. Um, for a variety of reasons. It's been quite uh, fascinating meeting very interesting individuals from many different scientific disciplines and non-scientist experiences especially that are that have taught me a great deal about the UFO phenomenon, um, consciousness, um, and that there is a subset of the population that is that firmly believes that they that their experiences are real. And uh, I don't doubt that. Uh, and the complexity of their experiences are significant, pronounced. Uh, here again, another part of the UFO phenomenon that deserves m much more attention, because to understand this better, we have to understand or yet, yet be discovered law of science that should, may very well be consciousness, which could be possibly, eventually, someday part of Einstein's unified field theory. And, you know, this, this UFO phenomenon among all other phenomena, do suggest that there may be a bioenergy of some type that helps serve as a carrier wave for some aspect of energy that may, might be consciousness. The I, the spirit, the soul, whatever we may want to call it. And people come to that realization more so after they interact with non-human intelligences associated with, again, a UFO, but also not with the UFO. UFO is an important component, no, no question about it. Uh, the physical of it is quite real. Um, nevertheless, nevertheless, we're looking at quantum physics, behavior at the subatomic particle. We're looking at laws of, of, on a cosmological scale, aligning with the subatomic scale. We're looking at possibly aspects of, of physics largely controversial, theoretic in nature, that might provide additional support for the phenomena that we're observing, not only in the skies and in people's minds and in laboratory settings, mm -hmm. uh, in the form of anecdotal as well as measurable activity in, in those who have ESP, um, among other types of events that defy explanation. So, we're looking at different dots, and I'm trying to connect 
the puzzle, as others are trying to do. And I don't claim to be uh, able to have an answer, but I enjoy it. Uh, I'm curious-minded, like you are, and, and those who are, are listening to this interview, and I applaud them all for that unique characteristic, uh, which is fundamental. That's a prerequisite for trying to better understand uh, an aspect of reality that doesn't conform to our known principles of reality and the four forces that govern them, uh, like the nuclear forces, electromagnetic magnetic, and gravitation. Does consciousness fit in? Does an aspect of brain function where there exist quantum processes that generate a form of weak emissions, ultra-weak emissions, in the form of biophotons from the neurons of the brain, very possibly even the DNA of molecules in the body and brain, certainly. Mm -hmm. That that generated force called a torsion force that might might represent that physical law that may answer many of the questions that get are given rise to from the types of paranormal phenomena that we observe and the subjective experiences that people have. And their experiences, like that with UFOs, the absence of space and time, which other other individuals say were different experiences from different triggers or contact modalities, uh, like NDEs among others, um, they ascribe to laws in quantum physics. Again, no time, no space. Everything happens instantaneously. Uh, they believe that their their thoughts can allow them to have out-of-body experiences uh, and thus be able to interact with other entities of varying types. Now, it's really in their minds. It's really in their minds. But I think that aspects of all of these phenomena are so uniquely personal and the implications for understanding aspects, again, of brain function, consciousness, society, uh, philosophy, sure. among others types of scientific disciplines can benefit from it. You know, we spent how many billions of dollars, over 15 billion on the Hadrian Collider, trying to better understand the physical forces of, of reality. Um, we sh that's important, indeed. Well, we should certainly direct some additional monies in this other arena, where we could also find glimpses, possibly, at least that will fit a certain piece of that puzzle, along with what may be found in the, the so-called search for the God particle in Geneva, Switzerland. Maybe we can also uh, find another type of force, a consciousness, body force, that may even persist after physical death. We can only speculate, and I'm not strongly advocating that this is the case. I'm simply saying that there are many well-noted scientists in the, who focus on the subatomic world and those who focus on the cosmological world that say things that if the public was firmly aware of, the general public was firmly aware of what they conclude, and we alluded to some of this earlier, both in the fields of, of ufology, physics, psychology, neuroscience, etc., uh, people would consider that boo-boo so-called boo-boo stuff or paranormal stuff. Um, the aspects of multidimensionality, aspects of mind-to-mind -mind communication, aspects of interacting with greys, reptilians, Nordics, it's, uh, it's difficult to grasp indeed. 
But there are so many accounts of people interacting with other creatures that initially are considered to be highly anxiety-producing for obvious reasons. Uh, but over time, surprisingly, over time, with repeated exposures to these other intelligences, they regard their experience as generally positive. And we alluded to this earlier. And this, the, the same is true from the other types of experiences. Once integrated, after an initial shock of confusion, trying to find the answer with fierce determination, and unfortunately, psychological community does not understand it enough to deal with it appropriately. Sure. Uh, millions are experiencing this and they seek support groups on online and free provides a support group as does MUFON and other, other internet resource sites, organizations that do assist people who are left beyond bewildered with what they just experienced and they know it's as real as talking to a family member. And you can't dismiss that. So it, the phenomenon is real. It's real here, and it may very well indeed be real. Are we looking at a glimpse of reality that is uniquely different than ours? And what's only speculate? And it's fun to do so. You know, we could we could say, hey, guess what? People feel when they have a so-called contact, a contact or abduction with a UFO and associated non-human intelligence, they feel like they're being lifted out of their body. They feel expanded consciousness. They feel at one with the universe. This is what they say. Yeah, they say that with NDEs as well. And Kenneth Ring found the same thing in his two different populations of UFO experiences and NDE experiences. They say this essentially the same thing. Um, so, they're saying, in other words, an, an aspect of reality that might exist beyond the limitations of the sensory systems. And we know that our sensory systems filter reality in unique ways that, that are limited in nature. We, we obviously know that dogs can hear frequencies we can't. Does that mean that's another dimension? That because we can't perceive it, we know that energy exists. Now, could, could there be other aspects of energy, even like a body energy that may not be visible? Uh, this torsion wave, which may not be visible, very difficult to detect. And once firmly established, if firmly established, uh, that will rewrite books in physics. That will, that will change uh, the world. Well, what, uh, what is the torsion wave exactly? Uh, the, the torsion wave is... is a, a theory that emerges from uh, physics. Uh, it interacts with the environment. It is generated by the body. I don't want to get overly technical. I don't have. A, I'm not a physicist, so I, I don't know it like the back of my hand as well. But torsion energy um, has been shown to be generated by neurons within the brain. That's facilitated by. Uh, quantum processes. This is what's found by Hammerhoff and, and noted uh, neuroscientist Roger Penrose and, and confirmed by a few others. Um, but they considered that that gives rise to consciousness. Uh, this, this quantum process at the DNA level, it is believed, can indeed generate a force that's ultra weakened to, to detect. It's so weak, it, it's difficult to detect, but it is present and it interacts with the environment that might possibly be a conveyor of consciousness or a carrier wave, like the type of radio signal in a sense. 
that might potentially interact with other minds, might potentially affect physical systems, because we do see, at least in my mind, clear evidence that ESP is valid. We see this on an individual level, in the laboratory setting, under very well-controlled conditions. We see this at the subatomic scale. We see this in numerous different ways. In my mind, aspects of ESP are indeed real. That alone, that alone is very significant in terms of what the implications are, yet it is largely ignored by the scientific community. That in and of itself, in my mind, should be considered another physical law one one's ability to have telepathic communication with another. Now, we're not at that level yet, but there are individuals who demonstrate unique skills that show the potential of the human mind, brain, or combination of, to possess an ability that will rock the world if proven to be valid one day. And we see again evidence of this because how many millions of individuals claim to have telepathic communication with non-human intelligences? This is what they say, and they're downloaded information that range in, in content from science to philosophy to religion, aspects of reality, purpose of life, etc. Mm -hmm. And we are writing a chapter on the, the aspects of messages received, um, as well as medical healings, as well as results from our study. Uh, integration of NDEs, UFOs, and OBEs is another separate chapter. Uh, in our first book, uh, the, the the science of, of um, uh, UFOs, um, which will incorporate aspects of all of this information that we're talking about today, and and then some. So, this contact experience is looked at more scientifically, but it does seem to be um, much given much less attention than studies in the other phenomena that we're addressing, like NDEs and ESP, and there should be much, much more, of course, by a broad discipline of scientists in order to better understand. But we can't, nevertheless, ignore the fact that consciousness is a core fundamental aspect of all of these contact modalities which appear to be interrelated. and might be explainable by the quantum hologram theory of consciousness, which talks about the evolution or the, of consciousness from the instinctual uh, level, uh, just barely conscious level, reflexive-like in nature kinds of behavior, to that type of consciousness that people are reporting to experience in the form of um, uh, feeling a sense of dissociation or removal from the physical body, being able to have out-of-body experiences and expanded consciousness and interconnectedness with the universe, as people say. Now, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, among many other uh, scientists, developed this model, but there are many others out there. And it all does serve to help explain the UFO phenomenon as well as others. Um, Claude Swanson, uh, Rudy Shield, noted uh, physicists uh, that are also part of three, uh, contend that, that the aspect of consciousness should be considered a true science by mainstream science and studied much more extensively than it, than it is. And there is attention to it, there's no question about it, but it seems to be on par with the other physical forces of the universe. 
and and we can't ignore the fact that we must study the aspects of the UFO phenomenon a great deal more, as we said, for obvious reasons. Now, you said earlier the evolution of consciousness. Um, you know, where do you think, if all that is tied together, the physics of all that, you know, where do you think consciousness came from? Uh, you know, ever, ever since we crawled out of that so-called primordial soup, uh, how many eons ago, and, mm -hmm. and evolved into this exquisitely complex, um, inventive, language-based, uh, bipedal primates, shall we call ourselves? We've mm -hmm. always wondered, uh, am I the physical body? And always wondered if, if we live after death. And often had faith-based beliefs that we, in fact, did do so. But consciousness, uh, an endless stream of papers have been written on consciousness from the philosophical level to the medical level to the quantum physicist level, etc. And everybody has a different take on it. Uh, no one understands it fully. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, we don't have an overarching concept that associated criteria to even define what consciousness is, let alone when you say to a person, I had a near-death experience, what does that mean? What does it mean when people say they're interacting with non-human intelligences? You know, if I don't experience it, I, I, I don't even have language to adequately capture what this is all about. Uh, other than it's enigmatic, it's, it's, it's bewildering, it seems to be an area of attention that I give continuously. It seems like on a daily basis I'm either writing about it or talking about it, <laughs> doing research about it. Uh, there is a level of obsession that many of us have in all, all walks of life, but uh, I do. I, I have that tendency in many ways, but uh, this is one way. I, I do feel, and I certainly could be wrong, but I do feel that by studying these, these types of phenomena much more extensively, with much better funding than currently exists, which is negligible, that that we can better understand, and again, I could be wrong, certain aspects of reality, life, what I am all about, possibly, by focusing much more attention to such phenomena, we are only scratching the surface. We're, we're primarily asking questions. We're, we have such minimal levels of research with debatable, controversial conclusions in, in all of these arenas. Um, and there's also gut feeling, belief systems that are incorporated here, because this crosses into religion, this crosses into spirituality, this crosses into one's ego, uh, among others. Hmm. So people are afraid to go here, and it's regarded as a pseudoscience by mainstream science, maybe for fear. Uh, in, at some level, people just don't want to get involved um, for reasons we don't yet fully understand. Why I'm intrigued, you are as well, and, and I applaud you. Like-minded souls here who are involved in, in talking and, and, and listening, and we're just plain darn curious, which is wonderful. Uh, you know, most yeah. most people, I think, you know, hey, I gotta pay the bills, I gotta watch the news, I gotta watch the home show, which is cool, okay, uh, we have to have entertainment, but I'm overly curious, and I think that's that, that fundamental drive that keeps us, uh, we find it fun, and we find it work, but we, we can see it as a career, 
uh, and I was a closet, <laughs> curious-minded soul. I always applied it, you know, in the sensory neurosciences. But you have to be curious doing that, and I'm, it extends in my retirement. Uh, so I do what's fun, and I'm enjoying it a great deal. Uh, and and when I wrote the book, Life After Death, the analysis of the evidence, it became quite clear to me that as bizarre as that sounds, it's not so so bizarre how many people have a faith-based belief in that alone. Where's the evidence, right? Right? But they believe it, and it's wonderful. I think it's, I, I applaud them. Um, I like to talk to people who, who are religious, because we get into areas that are spiritual in nature. I think it's beautiful to discuss it. I don't like those who try to convert you, and, and, and that sort of organized, strong, extreme, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I mean there, there are all types, but it's rare that, that you get with from these huh? Yeah, well, there are all types, but it's rare that you get someone that's trying to convert you to ufology. You know, like they have something to share, but they're not trying that hard. You know, to get you to believe. <laughs> um, yeah, you have to be uh, careful doing that. There are people <laughs> that become so. You know, you know, you you go to conferences. I'm sure, I know you've been there, uh, and they're a lot of fun. Like-minded souls. It's uh, it's a real kick. I gave a talk at the last uh, UFO International Congress um, in 2017. Uh, it was a blast. You know, seeing a lot of people who contributed so much to the field, like Stan Friedman, Kathleen Martin. Um, I'm leaving names out, obviously, but it's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, Alejandro Rojas, wonderful people, um, major contributions to the field. Uh, to be commended, Kathleen Martin, by the way, is on a board on the member of the board of directors of Free, mm-hmm. along with uh, other noted researchers like Mary Gradwell, um, Rosemary Ellen Diley, yeah. uh, Barbara Mango, etc. John Flemo. Yeah, well, it was uh, Kathleen that that told me to get in touch with you. Um, yeah. And I'm glad. I'm glad she did. Uh, yeah, and I certainly am, am grateful for her. She's a wonderful, wonderful individual. Um, Maybe may some members of the audience who are unaware, she is the niece of of, of um, Betty uh, Hill, mm-hmm. who Betty and Barney Hill, of course, were uh, abducted back. I believe in 1964. Yeah. The first major yeah. you know, media-derived uh, Kind of event uh, for good reason that that was on the cover of Life magazine, etc. So um, she provides a unique perspective to the field. Um, I, I applaud her immensely, and um, I applaud all those who've made major contributions to the field. Uh, I think it's wonderful, and however, we need to do certainly more um, in the standpoint that I'm, I'm discussing. Uh, but but people think they have their, their, their uh, a firm understanding of phenomena, and some people have a good understanding of it, indeed. But I sure. think, uh, you know, according to Dr. Mitchell, what we know of this phenomenon, which and he firmly was a believer in, in, in the ET presence, and in fact he, he thought that we had actual ETs. I don't like that term either, but extraterrestrials or non-human intelligence is the preferable one, um, in possession. Uh, along with crash saucers, no, I'm not. I'm not going to argue with them. And the late Dr. Mitchell is, is highly respected for, for a variety of reasons, and yet he ascribed to this conclusion, and maybe he's right. Um, you can't dismiss that possibility. So have we back-engineered craft, as many people contend, and and maybe that craft is what we're witnessing in the skies, the fine logical explanation that we're calling 
uh, UFOs, but if that's, that is true, how do you account for non-human intelligences and the greys and the reptilians, the insectoids, etc., that people contend to be associated with these craft? More often than not, people in our studies say that, that the humanoid-looking individuals, much like us, are more commonly seen, although mm -hmm. the short greys in particular, as well as tall greys, are uh, close to as frequently seen. Reptilians too, but to a much less frequent extent. And they're also associated with more negative experiences. And one might surmise that maybe based on the appearance alone, evokes that initial rate of fear, as opposed to looking at an attractive humanoid. Um, so, it, you know, it looks like these individuals who have interact with the UFOs have, many have a, a type of out-of-body experience because they say the same things as people who have NDEs. And the question is, are they physically being abducted? It seems like a small percentage, again, is. Um, and some do uh, undergo sexual-like DNA-related type experiments, extraction, certainly, of, of ova and sperm, but to a much less degree, as I mentioned previously. Sorry for the redundancy. Mm -hmm. But, but, um, well, <clears throat> I forgot my line of thought. Uh, but but what we're seeing here is that the the non-physical aspect of of the contactees experience is what is much much more common, and uh, thus 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 what we have to we have to analyze essentially that area of the phenomenon itself in order to better understand it as we as we are discussing, and I think by trying to tie in. The subjective experience that people are reporting, their unique, profound emotional outcomes, the fact that the fact that individuals are are claiming to uh, essentially see a different world. Eighty-four percent of the subject population, as I mentioned, don't want their experience to end. The vast majority have been have had more than ten interactions. Um, the robotic-like greys, as people contend they are, may serve as like a, uh, yeah, a screening tool uh, uh, under the under the directions of their, yeah, it's easier to come to this conclusion, it's not unique in nature, but it seems that what our subjects are saying in their responses to the open-ended questions is that these, these robot or androids, whatever we want to call them, um, are compassionless, uh, are here for a purpose, uh, cold, and that also evokes fear in and of itself for understandable reasons. But after people are, undergo these kinds of experiences, it seems like they evolve in terms of their contact experience, where they then begin to start interacting with more humanoid figures, uh, communicating with them. Some individually even claim to control the craft using their consciousness. Grant Cameron and I have spoken of this. He talks about this as well. Um, too many people are coming up with similar stories. Is this a psychocultural phenomenon of some type? Why the similarities of being able to, to manipulate things in this manner? Performing telepathy, performing psychokinesis, perceiving reality that's not possible using our five physical senses, uh, feeling profound love for others, empathy understanding what the universe, reality themselves are all about. Where, where are they coming up with this? That alone. Yeah. It makes one scratch the head more than more than once. I, and, and you know what? I question this every day. And I come up with different conclusions. 
you know, are there tricksters out here? As some people contend, John Peel, for instance, Brent Rains, who's also a member of Free, uh, who was they were friends, and John Peel, I have great respect for a valet. They looked at the non-physical aspect of it, ultra-terrestrials. Uh, are there some living entities that are possibly right here in front of us that, that may be playing tricks on us for whatever reason, a form of life that evolved along with us, <laughs> like a blade of grass, for a poor analogy. Well, it's funny, I was, I was just but, reading you know, Harry Potter and this idea <laughs> of like, you know, the, the witches, you know, evolved alongside of us and then eventually had to go into hiding. So they sort of live hidden in between spaces, you know, that we, where we can't see them. Um, I think it's a, it's a fascinating concept to think that right next to you or right within you in a parallel world, there, there's something living and they can watch you. Um, that's it for the, uh, uh, the, we're coming up on this first, this break here. Um, this is Alan B. Smith for Paranormal Now on the Inception Radio Network. And my guest is uh, Dr. Robert Davis. We shall be right back. Life After Death. As a friendly reminder, you can follow myself on Instagram at Paranormal Now, or you can go to Twitter and it's at Paranormal underscore now. And of course, we're on Facebook as well, or just find the website on the Inception Radio Network website. Um, and there's so many other great shows in that network as well. Um, so, uh, Dr. Davis, where can people find out more about your book and your works? Uh, my website is bobdavisspeaks.com, bobdavisspeaks.com. Uh, my book is available on Amazon, uh, and uh, and I uh, I think uh, it pre- presents a nice comprehensive overview of, of the information that we're talking about. So if you're interested in life after death, certainly from a more objective, a little bit more of a scientific perspective, mm-hmm. um, I think you'll find it interesting and a good read. Well, but, let me ask you this: in in the in the book itself, which I, I've not yet read, do do you do you make it difficult for someone who is religious to accept what you are saying and the research that you found? Is it too scientific in, in a sense? I uh, um, it. I don't think so uh, because uh, it's subjective, and I don't uh, I don't cross the line in terms of religion. Um, there are, however, religious undertones to to some of the research. Uh, mm-hmm. People who have NDEs report uh, experiencing uh, this you know, great religious figures. Um, uh, they do talk about God, uh, cosmic consciousness, and many many uh, aspects of the subjective experience do do parallel quite closely the personal beliefs of those in, in religion. Um, it, it substantiates it. The, the fundamentalists, uh, however, you know, will regard this as, as an aspect of uh, what? Uh, demons, however. You know, it's, it's to be avoided. Uh, it's a work of the devil, obviously, but in their minds. And that, okay, they don't denounce people, nevertheless, uh, for that belief, as, as extreme as it may be. It doesn't seem to be that way, as far as I'm concerned, I think, in most people's minds. But uh, look, we're entertaining all aspects of ideas here, and, and, and that's the best we can do, to a large extent. I can go into great detail about 
about experimental evidence in, in ESP, reincarnation, uh, mediumship, etc., uh, uh, etc., et and talk your ear off for days. It's in the book, uh, and and don't only look at the book. I'm, I'm look. I'm trying to sell. I'm not trying to sell. I make it. I don't. You know that it is. I, I I don't need the money. You only make a dime on it. So you know. But I'm not pushing it. But I, well, I, the main thing for me is that you you might find it interesting and learn from it. Uh, and I'm objective about it, so let you decide. You decide the aspects of these phenomena, possibility of the continuity of consciousness after bodily death, or once once the hard drive crashes, does indeed the screen fade to black. And the only thing I can say for the 150 to the 150,000 people that are going to die each and every day on our planet is that their body is either going to rot in the ground or be in, be in a jar on a mantle somewhere. Uh, other than that, my answer to those who ask me, is there life after death? You must know you wrote, wrote a book on the topic. I say, yeah, I do have an answer. Maybe. And and that's that's a, 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 a if I may say, a smart-ass remark. I, I, I certainly admit that. It's certainly a bold remark. I can't, I, <laughs> I look, I'm, I'm speaking from the heart, man. Yeah. I can't help it because no one can really say for sure unless those who have a faith-based belief believe it like they're talking to a family member but but here again they and that's beautiful i i wish i had that belief i i, I admire that uh but but nevertheless uh, us more left brain scientific mindset objective types uh, want to see the irrefutable evidence the, the the ufo landing on the white house wall but now as it, it pertains to an aspect of consciousness that might persist at the bottom that life force and energy if that is indeed that form of energy that does actually persist at death remains to be seen. But that's where many scientists are going. Uh, how do we bridge? The bigger question is this. How do we bridge that so-called psycho-spiritual scientific gap? And, and many people have tried over, over time, certainly. And there have been very good attempts. I'm trying to do it in my own unique way. I don't know if I'm going to be successful, but all I can say is I'm going to sure, sure have a heck of a lot of fun along the way. And there'll be ups and downs, certainly. But getting a journal publication in this arena, I think, is um, it, well. It is certainly gratifying. And and here again, its purpose, like my book, is to st stimulate discussion in others, to help inform others about a unique, extraordinary event, which we can dissect into detail. But it really doesn't serve a purpose. What's the bigger picture here? What what, are, what is everybody talking about when they come on your show talking about paranormal, uh, UFOs, etc., etc.? We're, we're talking about an aspect possibly of consciousness and reality and life itself that remains so unknown, but yet if known, will have such significant contributions to our understanding of ourselves, the nature of reality, and possibly even life itself. Now, I may be going out on a limb here and being too extreme about it, and, uh, and that's for your, your, your viewers, listeners to certainly um, interpret in, in their own mind. But that's me. You know, take, obviously, take it or leave it, of course. But here again, I can't, I, what I can't grasp is why most, more scientists don't try to also bridge this scientific, uh, so-called spiritual, paranormal, uh, gap that is huge and there is a new field however that is attempting to do so it's called neurotheology um, and a few uh, mainstream scientists neurologists as well as theologists mm -hmm. uh, are trying to come together and do research that helps 
to attempt to bridge that this gap. And I, I credit them for their for their contributions. Uh, it is something to look into, I think. Um, and, and I also incorporated some of that also in my book. But nevertheless, uh, there is science to the UFO phenomena as well as others, but too little. And much of it is not as good as it should be. There is, nevertheless, research at the Windbridge Institute on ESP mediumship at the Institute for Noetic uh, 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 Sciences, at the Stanford Research Laboratories at Princeton. Uh, there's been unique experiments done there on the Max Planck Institute in Germany. The point is, major. Uh, theoretical, uh, highly successful, world-renowned scientists um, are there doing studies, uh, believe it or not, in some of these areas. But again, it's too few and far between. Uh, and the results clearly say one thing certainly to me, is that ESP is real. That alone is significant. As I mentioned previously, and I apologize for the redundancy, but here we, we have to connect the dots, and I'm going to try to do that even more so in my next book, trying to bridge this so-called gap, as we alluded to, um, to take these fragmented, independent pieces of information that, that seem to cross a wide range of disciplines, as we have mentioned today, from these different paranormal, so to speak, and that's a very poor term, uh, fields, and make sense of it, uh, if at all possible. Uh, and it's uh, something that many people try to do, and, and I'm going to go along for the ride. Is there a connection between what you've studied as far as ESP and the connection with those in the afterlife? Uh, individuals, there is a relationship here. Individuals mm -hmm. who have an NDE uh, do contend that they can... Um, uh, communicate non-verbally, uh, and uh, even indi in individuals who are in the transition of, of living to dying contend that they see their deceased relatives, angels with wings, um, religious figures, uh, hospice workers, the vast, vast majority say that it, it's uncommon for people who are dying to not see deceased relatives, etc. Uh, there are shared death experiences which we can get into. Um, but people who have NDEs report, again, telepathic communication. So there is this commonality between an aspect here, again, of consciousness, which, which it, it may be the foundation for many of these, if not all, of these types of things we call phenomena that accounts for ability of mind-to-mind -mind communication, mind-to-affect physical systems. One experiment that out of Princeton University, if I just may add, that gets my attention is the <coughs> Global Consciousness Project back mm -hmm. in the 90s, 2000s, uh, 100 or so, random event generators was stationed worldwide, and many people in the audience are familiar with this, as you I'm sure am as well. These random event generators emit zeros and ones. Over time, of course, you're going to yield 50% zeros, 50% ones. However, when the attention of millions of individuals worldwide had their attention focused on one single major catastrophic event like 9-11, tsunami incident in Southeast Asia, Al-Qaeda attack, even the President uh, Obama election, um, cause these non-random event generators to deviate significantly from random event, randomness to non-randomness, which, according to the researchers, was on the odds of happening by chance of only one in a billion. Uh, 
which is significant, but again, subject to controversy. Here we see collective attention or intention affecting physical systems. We see this on the subatomic scale as well. Uh, again, details we don't have time to address, but the observer effect, which Einstein referred to as speaking action at a distance, uh, is something that we can't ignore. And the, the physicists who worked with him, and even till today, talk about spirit, talk about a bioenergy, talk about quantum processes in the brain, talk about the possibility of, of continuity of consciousness after bodily death, from both a philosophical as well as, as well as a neuroscientific, as well as a quantum physicist level. Uh, question here again is lack of validity, replicability, the lack of scientific principles, known scientific principles to adequately apply to study just these issues at hand. Uh, and nevertheless, there is slow but steady progress being made on our understanding of uh, molecular activity within the brain, subatomic particle behavior as well, and as enigmatic as subatomic behavior is, which is the field of quantum physics. We see evidence of it in the subjective experience that people are claiming to have. And I mentioned that before, but it deserves mentioning again, because trying to align here what aspects of, of science that need to be proven valid to begin with, with aspects of what people are actually reporting when they experience these phenomena in varying ways, are at least what appears to be now highly similar and given their similarity, are we, are we possibly in a position where we could bridge at least some of that gap between science and the paranormal, whereby what we call pseudoscience or the paranormal will be eventually regarded as normal and science. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that is an important issue at hand here. Uh, so uh, we're only obviously in 2018, uh, in the hundreds and 200 only years from now, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll go a long way along these lines. What will be revealed probably can't even be fathomed right now. Yeah, uh, you, mentioned yeah. you mentioned Einstein's uh, spooky action at a distance. Then there's also the, the slit experiments. Um, it seems paranormal. I mean, and and you see, you hear scientists sort of tiptoe around that because they they can't exactly explain it in a way that doesn't sound supernatural. Indeed, uh, the act of observation alone that causes a, a subatomic particle, like a photon, to behave like a, a right. particle yeah. or a wave, and, you know, that the observer effect, law of entanglement, superposition, we can go into great detail, but it would be somewhat, somewhat boring, but, but we see uh, the evidence of, of how two particles, once bound and then separated by light years, uh, still interact on an invisible pathway. Which is quite interesting. That that you know stuff like that. Einstein did acknowledge after calling it spooky action at a distance, uh, he, he but he couldn't explain it. However, some people who work with Albert Einstein um, and beyond do do also ascribe to to that too. Uh, that it, it sounds like the paranormal, uh, indeed. And and this is where I'm, what I'm saying it parallels ESP. 
at the subatomic scale, that type of behavior does provide a, a potential answer for aspects of, of clairvoyancy, precognition. Sure. Uh, on the, the door level, open. what we call ESP. Uh, you know, so, so we've got to figure this out. That's my point. If we can, and maybe there is no answer, but maybe there is. And I feel that there is. I think that there are pieces there, dots there, that do need to be addressed and connected <laughs> as best as possible. And over time, and it's certainly not going to happen in my lifetime, but we'll make slow progress, but understanding that. But I do believe it. it's the important path to follow. I'm not yeah. saying what the answer might, might hold. Uh, and I think it's much more significant in terms of its value worth pursuing than not. Uh, and that we need to prioritize what where science should go. And obviously, it's in areas it needs to be right now. Is an area, but maybe too heavily. There's in areas that it, that is underweighted, and certainly is underweighted in, in the field of the paranormal. Which again, I hate, I hate even saying that word. It's a par- that's the name of my show. We, so, yeah, we don't know what it is. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it, it changes. Uh, <laughs> if I may be so bold, it, it it it's it should be known. You know, you know what I mean. Uh, uh, but we use it like you unidentified flying object. I don't like that term. We use unidentified aerial phenomena, uh, it, which which does get at it a little bit more than UFO. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, although I, I think UFO is here to stay. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah. yeah, you can't. But you can't change the guard overnight. No, and you make you make a good point, and I think um, something that you were maybe alluding to a little bit is burning the candle from two ends. In this case of research, would be a good thing. So yes, they spent fifteen billion on the Large Hadron Collider, um, but spent nothing on telepathy, ESP quote-unquote paranormal um, studies and so it's like it's like you have this candle and you're you know burning one end if we would just do the research on the other side we might actually meet in the middle much quicker and find a an answer <laughs> well indeed and and that that's a that's a critical objective well said uh, we we need to Again, shift resources and 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 human resources uh, as well as fiscal, um, more so in that direction. I think that's an important message uh, that's not unique to me, but I strongly advocate for it. Uh, so, there's areas in in science you'd be amazed at how many millions of dollars are being channeled to areas that, at least in my mind, are insignificant in terms of its potential implications on a personal societal level where where research should be much much more functional and there is a lot of research being funded that that does go for the welfare of the individual which should be top priority but it's extraordinary and i've been and i can say that because i've been on the inside uh, getting grants uh, from different scientific agencies and been on on panels for major scientific organizations to review grants and it is extraordinary in my mind that while there are obviously very worthwhile grant applications that are proposed and worth funding, either in, in, in the full amount requested or partial, is that there's so much given for studies that just don't make sense. And you walk out of the room and it gets funded and you try to convince people otherwise that it shouldn't. And, it, and it's a, a drag because here's, here's $20 million being spent on something that has no significant contribution uh, 
at at all. Um, let's spare the details, but but we see this all the time. Uh, the waste involved when that should be in this direction. The overarching picture. The overarching picture. Consciousness. The interrelationship among the paranormal, different types of contact modalities, the the alignment of scientific existing scientific theories and not not firm mm-hmm. principles established you know, using accepted scientific methodology. Uh, it, the alignment of that with the subjective experience in altered states of consciousness, triggered by different types of contact modalities that we discussed. Um, well, have you had an experience yourself, an ESP, or? No, I saw two orange orbs in the mm-hmm. night sky, as uh, I mentioned that about two hours ago, and I'm ready to, to fall asleep right now if I don't look at it already. <laughs> but have you ever had a psychic experience? Uh, it, somewhat. I've had some extraordinary uh-huh. synchronicities, uh, as, as many people have, but... They've been beyond coincidence. Well, I've, I, uh, I've some of the most um, clear reports I've heard of, you know, a very clear communication between two people are people who have been on psychotropic drugs, where it's it's not an intuition, it's not a sense, it's like they literally hear the voice of the other person they're in their room with, you know, like their minds sync up. And I've heard that reported, and that to me that sounds like a more heightened version of like a feeling or a sense that you get when someone is maybe passes away and you and you feel it. Or you, have you heard those sort of stories as well? Oh, and oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I'm glad you brought this up. <clears throat> uh, there's a book, uh, one in particular by uh, Richie is his name, R I T C H E Y, last name. I wrote an interesting book on the anomalous, anomalously uh, sensitive person, personality, or person, and um, some people do uh, f- fall into a certain Jungian, uh, Meyer Briggs kind of, kind of scale where they're um, they show heightened uh, sensitivity in this way. They're more sensitive right. to uh, electrical energy they're more sensitive to the emotions of others they can detect a karma so they claim and have esp i have a friend who fits this type of description um a dear friend who who is somewhat clairvoyant was able to uh, recall what an incident that happened in a particular uh, area in the woods she had a panic attack when they were simply driving alongside the road she stopped the car and somebody got killed right right here in this spot I described the details of it, wrote it all down, told the police. Yeah, right, they, they find that to be the case later, uh, months later. Uh, it's stuff like that. It happens all the time in varying contexts. Uh, we, we, we know that. Um, looking at EEG activity in some of these individuals that manifest uh, mediumship, uh, uh, this, this ability, uh, and some can we do it uh, with predictive accuracy exceeding 80% under extraordinarily well-controlled uh, blinded conditions. Uh, at Winbridge Institute, Julie Bichelle and colleagues uh, have, have shown this to be the case. It's very compelling. I'm not saying that this proves uh, that, but, but it should be noted by the scientific community. And in fact, in my mind, there is sufficient evidence from not only that, but collectively in all aspects of mind-to-mind communication, 
to support the contention and belief uh, on my part that ESP is indeed real. Um, and and something that, that here again suggests uh, uh, another physical force possibly to be integrated, maybe, uh, it may sound extreme, uh, serve as a missing link in the existing unified field theory of Einstein. Uh, and that is saying a, a lot right there. Uh, and I'm not, you know, not saying y yes, indeed, someday it will be. I'm suggesting the possibility. I'm suggesting science take a look at it uh, for a variety of reasons, which I address in my book and, and future books, because, because it is indeed uh, an aspect of a discipline that deserves far greater attention than than mainstream science uh, believes. There are many exceptions, and um, if you're skeptical, I, I, I think that's wonderful. I think you should be, but don't denounce individuals that pursue study in this area or have reports of experiencing phenomena such as this. Psychologic community, please acknowledge that individuals are, are burning for answers who have these kinds of extraordinary experiences that defy logic and are reluctant to communicate about for obvious fear, as we know, we all know this, of ridicule, uh, which can you imagine having an NDE experience or believing you interact with non-human intelligence and you mm -hmm. mention it to people and they laugh, start laughing at you or they criticize you, they stop being your friend. This happens uh, enough so that they people start to shut up, hold it inside. Um, they need support groups. We mentioned this. It's, yeah. it's in need of mentioning it again for those that may come into the middle of the show. Um, and, and I do tend to be a little redundant at times, but I, I do that to emphasize, I think, sure. major points. Um, so let's, let's, um, let's look at, if we can, the big picture. Well, I think that's uh, one of the most important yeah. aspects of, of free is the focus on the experiencer. Um, because I feel like often their stories, their emotional experience has been sort of pushed to the wayside. Um, yeah, they can go to their local counselor or, you know, psychologist um, and, and share their story. Um, but more often than not, they're just going to be looked at like, you know, you had a dream or, you know, it was, um, you know, some sort of uh, mental disorder. And uh, if you are open to the idea that this is real, then these people need somewhere to go. Because it's like someone coming out of a, an abusive relationship. Like if you, you know, going to a group and being around other people and knowing that other people are looking after you and care about you and have similar stories, stories to share, um, that's healing. Not going to a doctor and a doctor saying, that's nice. Um, I think that, you know, you have some sort of aberration and, you know, this is not real and we need to work on that. Absolutely, Alan. Um, I, I can't really say it better. I can, I can only reinforce it <clears throat> that... Um, that we need much far greater support um, <clears throat> from the, the psychological community. But, but the issue, too, related to what you just eloquently said, is that you know, leading scientists who diagnose, uh, define psychological uh, disorders would have to say, would have to say that they acknowledge people 
are reporting to interact with non-human intelligences and are suffering or change in a generally positive way, but maybe initially suffering indeed, without question, as we as we alluded to, and we need to work on on them in this manner to to, to uh, try to m mitigate the sure. experiences. Doctor uh, Davis, we are actually at the end. So if you want to leave us with any last-minute thoughts, go ahead. Well, I, Alan, I appreciate your contributions and the opportunity to be on your show. It's, it's oh, thank a pleasure. You. You, you truly do a, a wonderful job. I appreciate uh, that. In many ways. And I continue to find work, and I know you will. Um, my website, for what it's worth, BobDavisSpeaks.com. My recent book, uh, Life After Death, An Analysis of the Evidence. I've also written UFO Phenomenon, Should I Believe? Uh, I, not pushing it. It's up to you if you want to spend your nickel and read, read those areas uh, of, of interest. <laughs> Why not? Go for it. Everyone listening to this show is interested in all of these things. Well, so that's thank you, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Robert Davis. I, I really appreciate it. It's been a blast. Um, for Paranormal Now, this is Alan B. Smith on the Inception Radio Network. And I want to thank our producers, MJ Lucas, Joe Champion, and Bob Tarmac for making this show possible. And until next time, live in the mystery. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu.